using the restroom and whatnot, just make your way in. But for the rest of us, it is time to start. Does anybody like to wait? No. If you're an American, that's not part of, that, that's not, it's like unconstitutional to have to wait. We want it our way, we want it now. This is how it works, right? It's nothing more painful than waiting. Waiting, waiting. <laughs> we wait in traffic, anybody like that one? Oh. We wait in line. We wait for an order, right? Or we wait on somebody else. A lot of times in people's homes, particularly in married couples or married with children, somebody in the house inevitably makes everybody else wait. You know what I'm talking about? It's always like that. Waiting on the kids, waiting on the wife, waiting on the husband. We're always waiting on somebody. Waiting is very painful, but it is necessary to develop our character. So we're going to talk about waiting today, in particular waiting on the Lord. Ouch. So this is timely. Let's praying about it. We're going to do a series for Christmas next, next week. And so uh, I kind of touched on waiting a little bit last week, and I felt like the Lord, you know, like it opened up. So I thought, ah, we're in between th Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're waiting. So let's do something on waiting. A lot of our debt is because we don't like to wait. Buy it now. Pay for it later. You ever heard that one? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of social problems are created because we don't like to wait. Lots of problems come from that. So in our country and a lot of times around the world these days, we have next day shipping, we have fast food, we have instant coffee. So we're not conditioned to wait. You know what I'm talking about? We almost think that it's like un-American or that it's inhumane to have to wait. But with the Lord, there's a lot of waiting. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is, oh, yeah. <laughs> We're hitting it, and we're coming right up into the living room this morning. So with the Lord, there's a lot of waiting. We can rush a lot of things, but we can't rush Jesus. You can rush ship that Christmas package, but you can't rush Jesus, right? You can rush that order at the restaurant, but you can't rush Jesus. The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 3.11, God does everything in just the right time, but people can never completely understand what he's doing. That's an amen. The Lord does it all in his time. And we sometimes don't understand what it is that we're doing. There's a high value that God places upon waiting. Those that wait upon the Lord should renew their strength. A lot of times we don't have renewal of strength because we don't understand or get the concept of waiting. What happens as humans is when we're waiting is we wonder. So your faith is supposed to be relational. So let's just get that straight. We don't have a religion. We have a relationship. In fact, let's say that. Following Jesus is not a religion. It's a relationship. And in a relationship, there's dialogue. There's dialogue. So your, your relationship with Jesus, there should be a dialogue. If you're not dialoguing with the Lord, you're probably following just ordinances or you're following something that's not alive. It's a living, breathing relationship. And so in our living, breathing relationship, because we're human and we're quite limited, we wonder, when we're waiting, why, Lord? Why am I waiting? Why, Lord, why? <laughs> we worry. Lord says, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to do it. How, Lord? How are you going to do it? Anybody here? Or we whine. When, Lord? When are you going to do it? 
While we wonder and while we worry and while we whine, we cannot wander. That's what's important. You can worry in the process. You can wonder in the process. You can whine in the process. Okay? It's not really going to help, but it's not going to hurt you anywhere near what it would be like when you wander from what God has told you to do or when you wander from the things of God. That's what happens. In our waiting periods, oftentimes we wander and we end up doing things our own way. Next slide. So my question, the question at the top of the screen is, are you believing God for anything? This is first and foremost to Christians because the vast majority, and I would say upwards of 80% of believers are, are, are people who call Jesus Lord, believe God for nothing. They're not asking God for a thing. And what do you think you're going to get if you ask him for nothing? That's right, you're going to get nothing. So the question is, is if you're waiting on the Lord, what are you waiting for? Have you asked him for something? Are you believing him for something? You should be. You should be. And everybody say this, go big. Go big. What are you believing him for? Go big. Back up. There's, a, there's even portions of the scripture where if you don't know what you're believing him for, ask him, Lord, what is it that I'm actually believing you for? What, what do you want me to believe you for? He'll tell you what he wants faith on. He'll tell you what he wants you to believe him for. If you'll take the time, he'll tell you. It's what he does. He'll show you what it is that he wants. Because you're like, I don't even know what to believe God for. Okay, Lord, what is it that you want me to believe you for? What is it that you want me to do? He'll tell you. Have you asked him, Christian? Have you asked him? We have not because we ask not. Or we ask amiss. We're asking outside of his economy or outside of his will. So that's the next question. Do you have an aligning verse? How do I know I'm in his will with what I'm asking for? Do you have a verse on that? I used to hear the Lord all the time when I first got, you know, first got married. I was like, man, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that, this one would do, da, da, da. and she'd go, my wife would go, do you got a verse? All the time. She'd look at me, she'd say, that's great, Kevin. The Lord told you that? You got a verse? And so I learned to get verses. I'm like, okay, Lord, you're telling me this. Do you got a verse? Boom, he'd drop a verse on me. He'll give you a verse. So it's not only are you asking him, you're hearing him, you're believing him. Do you have an aligning verse? What are you believing Jesus for? Nothing. Well, ask him for something. Go big. I don't know what to ask him. Ask him to tell you. Let him tell you. He's going to tell you what he wants from you. It's what he wants. Not just what you've asked him for, but get a verse that aligns. Make sure you're in alignment with his will. And then it's going, now, you're, now we're moving down the lane. Now we're tracking. Most people ask for nothing. So, okay, Calvin, if I've asked the Lord and I've asked him according to his will and I'm believing him and I'm trusting him, why in the world do I have to wait? Isn't that the question? Huh? Everybody say this with me. It's okay to ask questions. As Christians, we almost dull the question within the church. We act like we're not supposed to ask questions. Don't ask questions. Know all the right things. That's what we tell you. That's what we teach. The important thing is, is not that you ask questions. The important thing is, is that you know all the right things. Well, good luck with that. Good luck. David said, how in the world can we fathom your mysteries? We don't even understand. How can we know all the right things if we don't inquire of him? Do you know you're made as a question? Did you know that? The same word for human is the same root word in the Hebrew for manna. You know manna, the bread that came down from heaven? You guys know what I'm talking about? So the word manna and the word human are rooted in the same word. 
So the word human means what? That's what it means. Because manna means what? You're made to be a question. So when you're not operating according to your inquisitive nature towards the Lord, right? You're not going to find it in academia. I got news for you. And I got nothing wrong with that. But the true understanding of life and the true meaning of all things come from inquiring of a power beyond that of human ability. Amen. You are created as a question. Who am I? What am I? Why am I? What does it all mean? They're called intrinsic questions. Every human being asks those same four questions. Whether you're aware of it or not, every, every single human being is asking at, because they're placed in you. There is an intrinsic question within all of mankind. And the nature of a human is to inquire or to ask. But we ask oftentimes laterally. We don't ask vertically. Right? We ask horizontally. We don't ask vertically. We are called to ask questions. You're okay to ask questions. Inquire of the Lord. Be prepared for the answer. Huh? Well, that doesn't make sense to me. Well, he doesn't ask. He never said, Kevin, I never told you it was going to make sense to you. This is what this is the answer. That's how it works. So it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to say, why do we wait, Lord? Well, theologically speaking, you know, we're just supposed to not ask that question. We're just supposed to wait upon the Lord. Don't ask that question, Kevin. No, I want to know. Don't you want to know? I'd like to know. I want to know why, what, where, when, and how. Because I want to live my faith. I want to be alive in who he is. I want to operate in the levels that he has called me to do. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I ask. And the only way what happens when you ask is you're given revelation. You're given rhema knowledge, revealed knowledge into something that you don't know. Call upon me and I will answer you and do what? Give you rhema knowledge. Show you great and mighty things that you don't know. So there's a promise with a condition. You've got to call on him. And you've got to ask him. And he'll show you. And he'll reveal to you. And oftentimes when it comes to questions, it's a series of questions. It's not one. It's not one. It's a series of questions. So we think, well, just because God answered that question, okay, he answered. So I guess I've got to go figure it out. No, he answered the question in order to bring you into another question. What do you want to do with my life? I want to make your life a life. I want to create for you a life of influence. And we go, oh, okay. Lord said he's going to create a life of influence. Is that where he wants you to stop? No, he wants you to go back and go, what does that mean? What does that mean? How do I get there? That, it's, it's a series of questions. Understand? You're going to operate according to your nature, and you're going to activate his nature back towards you when you begin to inquire of him. My people do not inquire of me. Days without number, he said in Jeremiah. What does he want? He wants you to inquire of him, ask of him, seek him. Ask, knock, and seek. Ask, seek, and knock. Isn't that what Jesus said? Is that a suggestion? He's calling you. Ask, seek, which means to inquire. Knock. Ask for opportunity. Ask for the doors to be open to you. It's your inheritance, Christian. Unbelievers don't get this. I hope you know that. Only the Christian gets this. Non-Christians don't have the ability to ask him or seek or knock. We say, well, what do they get? They get to know that they're lost and they need Jesus. They get what's called sustaining grace. You get abounding grace. God sends the rain upon the, on the just and the unjust, upon the righteous and the wicked. He gives sustaining grace to all humanity. 
He'll sustain the man, mankind. But the bread belongs to the children. The abundance, the table of the father belongs to the sons and daughters. You've got to know this. And you've got to know that's who you are. You're not an outsider. You're an insider. And you need to get past your self-pity. And you need to get past the woe is me. And you need to get past the I'm not worthy. That's a profane thing to the Lord to say you're not worthy. He's deemed you worthy. God is greater than your heart. Even if your heart tells you you're not worthy, it doesn't matter what your heart says. Jesus said you're worthy. My heart condemns me. God is greater than my heart and he knows all things. So start aligning not with what you think and feel or what others have said about you and stand as a son and daughter. There's a question. What does it mean for me to live as a son and daughter? What does it mean to be a son before my heavenly father? What does that mean? Can we ask that question? What does it mean for me to be a chosen in my generation? The Bible declares who you are and you have no clue what it means. You are a royal priesthood. Anybody know what that means? I got some ideas, but I can't honestly tell you what it means for me to be a royal priest. But that's who he says I am. So what's my question? What does it mean to be a royal priest? What does that mean? What does it mean to be chosen in my generation? What does it mean? And I'm not talking about these pat answers. I want, I want, I want more. You understand that? Because this is what happens where people just let the promises of God or the word of the Lord pass them by. And they never encounter what he's actually calling you to. And it comes when you inquire of him. I mean, we could line up. I know lots of Christians who line them up there and go, you know, uh, I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm, I'm uh, you know, chosen in my generation. They could say all of the right things, but they don't have a clue what that means. And they don't have a clue how to experience that or to know it. These promises and these comments and these declarations over your life are to be experienced. They're to be lived, manifest presence through your life, over your life. They're not to be observed. They're to be experienced. You should settle for nothing less than experience. We settle for so little when Jesus has done so much. And because we dull ourselves down, we embalm our churches with doctrines of men rather than the declarations of the God on high. Do not embalm yourself with doctrines and dogmas of men. Take what the word of the Lord says and experience it and encounter it and press into it and go higher. What does it mean? That's for somebody. (laughs) I didn't say that first service. (laughs) Character development. Why do we wait to develop your character? Anybody who knows if you give your kid everything they ask for when they want it, that you're not really a good parent, are you? You're not properly developing their character. And so we wait because our father, who is the perfect parent, is wanting to develop our character. Say this with me. Character is the foundation of glory. Without character, there is no glory. You were created to be a habitation of glory. Glory is kavod in the Hebrew. It means weight of goodness. The weight, you are made to be a habitation of the weight of God's goodness. You are made to have weight in your generation. That's what you're made to do. 
But God cannot put that weight upon you until you've developed or have de- or created or are operating in a pattern of character. Because when the glory comes on, if the character foundation isn't there, it just it collapses. And a lot of times the thing that you're asking for is the very thing that God is trying to do in your life. You're wanting purpose. You're wanting death, whatever it is that you're wanting. And you should be wanting those things. But when we ask for that, God begins to work on character. Every time you ask God for something that's great and mighty and beyond you, every time he works on your character. He's going to work on your belief system, the way you see, the way you think. And he's going to work on habits and non-habits in your life that are working against you. He's going to begin to work on your character. And we rise and fall at the level of our character development. I didn't say it's perfect. Everybody say Christianity. Come on, this is good. Christianity is not perfection. It's direction. You got that? That'll make my holiness brothers a little uncomfortable, but that's the truth. It's not about perfection. There is none that can be perfect. Only in the spirit are we perfect. So the idea is what is the directional pattern of my life? That's the issue. Not what's the things that I've tripped over. Isn't if you've tripped, did you get up and go back? That's That's the issue. It's about character development. God in his waiting, causing you to wait upon him, is developing your character. This is it, James 1.3, knowing that the testing of your faith, when God allows you to be tested, not tempted, tested upon the belief that you have, and faith is the belief in his promises, when you're believing God for something, and there's a testing that's attached to it, through waiting, your testing produces patience. Everybody say this with me. I need to let patience have its perfect work. The Bible says that patience has a perfect work. It is an establishment of character so that you may be complete and, and, and lacking nothing. Here's two people that didn't want to wait. Saul was told by the prophet, wait seven days and I'm going to come to you. Don't do anything, Saul. Go to Mount Gilgal, gather the people, go up on the mountain and just and on the hill, as it were, and wait for me. I'm coming in seven days. That's all he was told to do. Wasn't told anything else. Wasn't even told what to wear. Okay? He was just told to show up, wait for me. I'm coming in seven days, Samuel told him. Seven days goes by. Saul's freaking out. Samuel's not here. Day's almost over. All the people are, you know, looking at him going, hey, where's Samuel? I thought you said Samuel's coming. So Saul freaks out, and he decides he's going to take matters into his own hands. And he starts doing things that he was not supposed to do, and Samuel came and showed up. And this was a habit for Saul. Saul did this over and over and over again. And he lost his leadership position. Because the Lord told him, what, he told, what he's essentially telling him is he said, Samuel told Saul, if, I can't, if the Lord cannot get you to hold the course, how can he make anything more of you? And he did it repeatedly, repeatedly, because Saul's interest was in himself and not the Lord. Even after Samuel corrected him, he said, well, all right, so I guess I'm not going to be leading in their heaven's eyes anymore. He still was leader, but heaven had, had moved off of him. And he said, but at least walk with me among the people that I may be honored. He wasn't interested in the Lord's honor. He's interested in his own. You know? And so he was, he was simply told to wait. Some of you have been told to wait. Just wait. And you don't have a word beyond wait. How do you know this? Because I know exactly what, he, I know exactly what you mean when you feel that way. I have areas in my life right now. I'm like, Lord, you said. He's like, I know I said, wait. When, Lord? Wait. I don't have anything beyond wait. 
That's it. That's it. Wait. Wait. <laughs> to make matters worse, I had two prophetic words, the two guys that told me I'm a builder. They're like, oh, wow, you're a builder. Both these guys, same word. One guy goes, it's like your feet are being held in wet cement and you can't move. And then another guy goes, it's like your feet are being held in terracotta, like clay. And I knew exactly what they were talking about because there's things that I want to do and the Lord is saying, wait. And so he's like, so I'm like, but I want to do that, Lord. And he's making me wait. He makes you wait. Why does he make you wait? He's building up character. We're going to get into that. Sarah didn't want to wait. God told her husband, you're going to have a baby. Baby's going to, this baby's going to, be, uh, going to create a generation of people that are going to be like the stars of the heavens and are going to bring glory to the Lord in their generation, throughout generations. Didn't happen right away. So Sarah said, hmm, maybe Jesus needs a little help. And so she goes to her husband. And she goes, you know, honey, I'm having a hard time having a baby. You know, our young maid here who you know, takes care of things for us. You know, she looks pretty healthy. So why don't you and her hook up and let her have a baby on our behalf? That's what she did. You know, it's interesting. Samuel didn't say no. He didn't go, oh, no, wait a minute, girl. I'm, I'm with you all the way. He's like, really? Is this cool with you? Okay, I'm down. You know, it's in your Bible, man. So anyway, Sarah took matters into her own hands unrighteously. And she ended up make, creating a child called Ishmael. Ishmael is the descendant. The descendants of Ishmael are modern day Arabs. Huh? And God, when, he, when she had Ishmael, she said the, the prophetic word over him, he's going to be wild. He's going to be against his brothers all of his days of his life. It's in your Bible. Modern day Arabians are descendants of Ishmael. They know it. They actually, they actually claim uh, Abraham as their father. Ishmael was their, was their ancestor. They, got, they gave birth to something that would be against them their entire life or their entire generation, when God wanted to bring something that was going to be for them. Consequences of not willing to wait. Caleb waited, and he got the mountain. Joseph waited, and he got the position. Simeon waited, and he saw the Messiah. Anna waited, and she saw the Messiah. In the book of Luke, Simeon and Anna, a prophetess before the Lord, who spent all of her days before the Lord, ministering before the Lord. And the Lord says, because you love me so much, I'm going to show you my salvation. And she got to see Jesus. Simeon was a faithful priest before the Lord, who God, he was so faithful before the Lord, the Lord said, I'm going to show you my salvation before you die. And both of them sing in the book of Luke. They take the baby and start singing. Come on. <laughs> Character development. He's building you up to carry glory. Do you believe that? Do you believe God is that good to you that he would, take, he would love you that much? Amen. Because that's what he's doing. Next slide. It's character development. Second reason is there's a, everybody say it with me. There's a time and there's a season. You may be ready, but the people, the places, and things aren't ready. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You may be like, I don't know what else there could be. The, you know, but the people, the places, and the things that God has for you have yet to be prepared. Israel couldn't inherit the promised land because God had to do a work in the promised land before they went in there. That's what he told them. A variety of reasons. The land had to be growing strength. The trees had to be grown. And there were some certain things among the people in that land that had to happen in order for God to bring them in. He had to use people. He had to develop the people, places, and things in order to bring the promise about. There's a time and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to scatter, and a time to gather. Ecclesiastes 3. Sometimes you're waiting, people, because the people, places, and things that are necessary for what it is that you're called to do are not ready yet. 
has nothing to do with you. You may be ready. You may be ready. But you need to be aware that God is doing something. He's actively working behind the scenes. Book of Esther teaches us one thing. The name of the Lord is not mentioned in there. There's a whole scenario and whole things that are going on where the Lord is working behind the scenes in the book of Esther. One of the themes of the book of Esther is that God is working behind the scenes. God is working in unseen ways to fulfill the purposes that he has. There's unseen circumstances. You're a son and daughter of the living God and you have an inheritance. <laughs> you have an inheritance. You say, I don't know about that. Start spending it and you're going to realize what you have. Start pressing into it and you're going to realize what it is that you have. Start calling on him in relationship to who you are. Start calling on him in relationship to what is yours. And you'll see. Stand and see. You'll see. Unbelievers don't get this. Christians get this. The Christian needs to understand their high purpose above all people. We are elevated in order that we would serve. We are to be blessed in order that we would be a blessing. That's the point. But we cannot be blessed until we actually understand that the blessing is ours. The inheritance is ours. Until we get it, then we can use it to do the things that God wants for us. But so long as the Christian believes they're common, there will be nothing uncommon that ever happens in their life. Ever. You must know and believe that you are uncommon. 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 You cannot be defeated. Only if you quit will you be defeated. He makes that promise not to the world. He makes it to those of his house. The bread is yours. He doesn't make that promise to the world, but he makes that promise to his sons and daughters. The Holy Spirit is given to the believer. Jesus said the world cannot receive him. Do you know what is yours, Christian? Have you? Here's the question again. No, I really don't. That's okay. What are we going to do about that? We're going to what? And we're going to ask, Lord, what is mine? What is mine? I believe there's an inheritance. I believe you have great and mighty things. I believe it, but what is mine? How do I activate this? How do I step into this? This is what we have to ask, and this is what we must pursue. It's not enough to know. We must experience. We must experience these things. There are unseen circumstances. There's, our blessing is in the heavenly realm. So the Bible tells us. But there's also something else in the heavenly realm. We do not struggle against human beings, but against evil powers and spiritual forces. Where? In the heavenly realm. The rulers and authorities are powers of darkness, Ephesians 6 says. There's a, there are fallen beings, demonic entities, that, are, that are, hold positions of, of authority in the spiritual realm. Their power is broken, yet they exist. You understand that? It's kind of like a little guerrilla warfare going on here. Their power, they don't have authority or a power to operate, yet they exist. Their role is in resisting the promises coming to you. Why? Why? Well, first of all, they don't want you to have them. Because if you start having and inheriting your promises, you start becoming who you are. And you're his worst nightmare. When the Christian starts walking in identity, the world changes. All of the earth cries out for the rising up of the sons and daughters of God. The world is not crying out for the return of Jesus. The earth cries out for the sons and daughters of God to know who they are. That's what this earth is crying out for. Well, we're just there. All the creation's groaning for Jesus to come back. That is not what your Bible says. Jesus is coming back. Let's be perfectly clear about that. 
But what God wants in the meantime is for his sons and daughters to know who they are and to rise up. And the enemy resists that because the sons and daughters knowing who they are will transform the world around them. True or false? Promise or poem? Promise. Guaranteed. And so the enemy resists you. The second reason he resists you is because he wants to mock God. And in the process, you pray, you're believing God, you're asking him for something. It's not coming in. What's he doing? God doesn't love you. Come on, man, you've asked. You asked 21 seconds ago and the prayer didn't get answered. He doesn't care about you. You're not worthy. Lord is not interested in you. He's off doing other things. That's what he does. He mocks God to you. He's trying to affect your intimacy with the Father. And you need to be aware of that. Say, how do you know that? Daniel 10. Daniel's having a vision. Has an angelic vision. This is one of many passages we could kind of go to. Daniel says, so the angel appears to Daniel. So an angelic being appears to Daniel in a vision. What are the first words out of his mouth? Daniel, you are very precious to God. First words out of his mouth. Say this with me. I am, by Jesus' blood, very precious to my heavenly Father. He will give nations for my ransom. Mm. Why did he tell him he's precious? Probably because Daniel wasn't feeling very precious. He had been waiting 21 days for an answer of prayer. He was fasting and praying for 21 days. That's the Daniel fast, in case you're wondering. That's where it comes from. This, this Daniel 10, 9 and 10. He was fasting and praying for 21 days for the Lord to answer, and the Lord answers him in 21 days. And so Daniel probably wasn't feeling too special. And so that's the first thing out of the angel's mouth. You're precious to the Lord. Don't let the enemy lie to you. And he tells him this. Listen. Tells him two things right off the bat. Okay, you're precious to the Lord. That's the first thing. But then he tells him two other things. He says, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. And I want you to stand up. You're believing God for things. My question to you, you should. But are you listening? In the process of believing him, are you listening to what he's saying to you? And then the second question, are you standing up? To stand up is to take your rightful place. Take your rightful place, son and daughter. Take your rightful place. Take your rightful place. I dare you. I dare you. You want to see the activation of the kingdom power? Begin to do these things consistently and you will see it. You will see it. It doesn't happen passively. It's not the Reader's Digest check. Knock, knock, here you go, check, cash it. Oh, wow, wonderful. Stand who you are. He tells him, stand up. And he says, when you prayed, since the day you first began to pray, understanding and humble yourself before your God, your request was heard. From the minute you prayed, Daniel, the Father heard you. But 21 days, the spirit of the prince of the power of Persia, a principality over this nation, resisted me so that I couldn't get the word to you. So I had to go back and get Michael. That's what he's saying. I had to go up and get a bigger, badder angel than me. And that's what Michael does. That's all he does. Michael's the first MMA fighter. Okay? That's what he does. Angels have one job. And whatever their job is, Gabriel's a messenger. Michael's a warrior. He's a fighter. Michael's like, there's a fight? Where at? Where at? 20 against one? Come on. You guys could do better than that. I mean, that's Michael. 
And then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him, and, 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 and left him there in the sprint with the prince of Persia. So Michael comes and throws it down, and then Gabriel brings the message. There are forces that work against you to prevent the thing that you are seeking or the thing that you are asking for from coming to you for those reasons. Suppress your destiny and break intimacy with your father. That's what he's doing. To suppress who you are and make you feel worthless and make you feel ashamed and make you feel unwanted. And here's what the devil will do, right? You're asking God for something. And then the, Lord will, the devil will put like 10 other people around you who got all their prayers answered. And you're standing there like, I haven't had any of my prayers answered. <laughs> I must not be loved or worthy of God. That is completely wrong. So there's unseen circumstances. There's times, there's seasons, there's unseen circumstances. Next slide. What do you need to remember? You're in good company. There's lots of people. Everybody has to wait on the Lord. Amen. Everybody. Amen. Waiting is a four-letter word, but it produces a perfect work. Jesus always answers his promises. If he doesn't answer his promise to you, you're the first person in human history. He will answer his promises. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for the one who has promised is faithful. Huh? He, has a pro he, is going to he is going to accomplish it. Say, what if I'm faithless? He's faithful. He'll do what he says because he can't deny him. You see, the point is not about you. You can't screw it up if you tried. Believe the Lord. Stand and believe God. He's going to bring it to pass. When it comes to personal destiny, it let's just say this. When it comes to personal destiny, nobody wants personal destiny. Come on, we can do better than that. When it I'm giving you a confession over personal destiny. When it comes to personal destiny, it requires... Partnership. partnership. Personal destiny requires partnership. The meta story of God will come to pass. The arcing story of God, he will fulfill. One way or another, he's going to get it done. It's like he said, Esther, even if you don't do it, God's going to bring another because the Lord will fulfill his meta purpose. When it comes to your purpose, you, it requires a partnership on your behalf. You must partner with the Lord in order to come, become and do what you are supposed to be. The word is over you, but you've got to partner with it. He does all, heavy, all the heavy lifting. What do you do while you're waiting? You write. Well, the idea behind this is that you keep some kind of record. When you're waiting, God's going to teach you some things. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever waited and the Lord taught you some things and you're waiting? He showed you how narcissistic and selfish you were. He showed you what a baby you are to demand such things on, 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 under all these. You know, he starts showing you things. He starts showing me things. You know? So what does it mean? You write things down. Or you get, I, I know people who keep mementos. Sometimes I like mementos. So maybe you get a pacifier and you put it on your shelf. People go, what's that baby pacifier for? That's to remind me not to be a baby when I'm waiting on the Lord. Find something. The issue, isn't, the issue is to keep a record of remembrance of what he's doing in your life during the process of waiting. At the Lord's direction, Moses, at whose direction? At the Lord's direction. Moses kept a record of their progress. Moses kept a record of what God was doing and things that were going on among the people at the Lord's direction. Keep a record of some kind. Remember what you have learned about the Lord through your experiences with him, Deuteronomy 11. Remember, what are you learning in the process? What are you going through in the process? What is he teaching you? That's what's going on. God isn't making you wait simply to frustrate you. I got news for you. That's not what he's doing. He's teaching you something. Next slide. He's developing you. Act. 
What does that mean? Do everything you can do. So while I'm waiting on the Lord, what is it that I should do? Do everything you can do. So people go, I'm waiting on Jesus. Well, maybe there's some parts where Jesus is waiting on you. Just, just a thought, right? He might be waiting for you. The Bible says this, having done everything, stand. We fully wait upon the Lord when we've done everything that is required. Do everything that you can do. Everything that depends upon you, do it, and then wait. There's lots of things you can do in the process. Get prepared for it and wait. Have you prepared yourself for what is coming? This is really good. People go, I'm believing God for a million dollars. What are you going to do with it when you get it? Oh, I don't know, but I'm believing God for a million dollars. A million dollars ain't coming. I can tell you that right now. Are you preparing yourself for what is coming? When a woman gets pregnant, right, she receives a promise, a biological promise of a child. That child's not here yet, but she has a promise of a child. She's called an expectant mother, right? She's expecting. So what does she do while she's expecting? She buys maternity clothes, stocks up on diapers, plans a baby shower, contacts her friends, makes a room, you know, puts a crib in the room, gets everything ready because she's preparing for what is coming. Are you preparing for what is coming? I'm believing God for a better job. Well, are you faithful in the job that you have right now? Do you show up on time? Do you do your job? Do you work as under the Lord? Do you go the extra mile? No? Okay. Prom heaven's promotion is what we seek, people. Not man's position. Not man's promotion. God puts you in tormenting work environments to teach you ethics. He puts you in tormenting work environments. And believe me, I've had a few in my life. Right? I had a boss who was an alcoholic. That was fun to work for. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that was not fun. I don't even want to. I'm having, I'm having traumatic memories of that right now. But anyway, he puts you in these work environments to teach you how to deal with difficult people, to teach you how to control yourself, and to teach you to be faithful even when things don't go your way. Heaven sees. And if you don't feel like heaven sees, then call upon the Lord and say, look at what I'm doing. Look upon this, Lord. I believe promotion is from you. I did it. You guys hear me tell stories of when, you know, when things that I saw the Lord do as a very young believer. I'd work for a company for a long time. They'd hire people with more money than me. And I'd go, what is this? You know, this guy just walked in the door and you're, making, you're paying him more than I've been. I've been here like what, four years. What's the deal? You know, and then I went back up and I would take my complaints north. Complaints go up and I would say, Lord, you see my faithfulness. You see that I've worked before you. You see the honor that I place upon this place. I don't work, you know, and I was, doing, I was trying to develop my character in these right ways, and God gave me promotion. Within a very short amount of time, I was given promotions far in ways beyond what these, of influence and other things, beyond where I was at that time. Because I didn't complain, I worked unto the Lord, and I looked to the one that would reward me. I didn't look to my foreman. I didn't look to the owner of the company. I didn't look to all the people around me and say, you need to reward me. But I said, heaven, you need to reward me. My reward comes from the Lord. And when you're rewarded from heaven, you know what the good news is? Nobody takes it from you. He gives you the promotion and the upgrade, and he doesn't take it from you. And what he promotes you with and what he upgrades you with is far surpassing. Yeah, there might be money attached to it, but there's other things that are involved there too. We need to look to the one who will, who will do it. But the first thing we got to do is get it right. Get it right. You know, we need to work our jobs as under the Lord. We need to be grateful for what it is that we have. I didn't say content. 
Contentment means I'm satisfied, but I want more. That's okay. Be satisfied, but want more. Be expecting what is coming for you. Prepare yourself. You want greater things. Prepare yourself. I want to lead people. I want to minister to people. I want to talk to people about Jesus. I feel like I'm called to ministry. Have you gone to Bible school? Have you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you involved in a church? Are you giving? Are you witnessing to people about Jesus? I got news for you. If you think you're going to go into full-time ministry and you're not doing those things, you're dreaming. You're dreaming. You are nowhere near prepared for that, what is, what's coming. You're not. Entrepreneurial businessmen, you got the same idea. Are you structuring your life? You see yourself in another place. What does it look like? Where does God want to take me? What is necessary for me to go there? What is necessary? What changes in my thinking? What changes in my life needs to happen in order for that to happen? Marriage, we can go there. Relationships, we can go there. Are you preparing? Are you doing everything you can do? Are you ready for what's coming? Imitate those who've gone before you, which means keep on keeping on. Say that with me. Keep on keeping on. We're going to wrap it up right here. We're going to roll through these next two slides. We do not want you to become lazy. Ooh, what? We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through what? Faith and patience inherit the promises. We inherit what is promised through faith and patience. Keep on, keep, follow those who have gone before you and imitate good habits. Keep on putting into practice what you've learned. Do what you've been taught to do from me and, when, and what you've heard and saw me doing. Keep on praying and having thanks. Prayer with thanksgiving. Continually pray and have thanks. There's two different dimensions of thanksgiving. There's the gratitude of thanksgiving once you've received it. Thank you. And then there's the thanksgiving of faith. You're thanking God in advance for what he's going to do. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to work this thing out for your good. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. And for that, I give you thanks. I thank you, Lord, that my history is not my destiny. I thank you, Lord, that where I am is not where you've called me to be. You begin to thank God by faith. By faith. So there's the faith of the thanksgiving of gratitude, and there's the faith of there's the thanksgiving of faith. Keep on. Keep on asking. Keep on and you will receive be given. Keep on knocking looking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. Keep on. Keeping on. Next slide. Keep on serving. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Say, what does serving have to do with waiting? When you order food, who's the dude, the woman, or the, the man that comes up to you with a pad of paper? They're called a what? Aha! Uh -huh. Smart people in the room. Why are they called a waiter? You're waiting, right? You're the one waiting on the food, but they're called a waiter. Because the idea of waiting in, in, is associated with servitude. You're serving and waiting. Ladies in waiting, we've heard that. You ever heard that before? What are those ladies waiting on? They're waiting on the, the person that they're connected to, the royalty or whomever they are connected to. A lady in waiting serves the one they're waiting on. We're waiting on the Lord. We serve him while we're waiting. Make your life significant. That's the thing that God's been dealing with me on, and he's been showing me things. Lots of crazy things have been happening with me lately, which is good. I, I welcome it. I don't always understand it, but I know God just completely blows me apart in this area. That's what happens. And I'm like, what just happened to me? And then I have to start trying to figure out what it is that he just did. You know, we look for significance. And the Lord would say to you, make your life significant. You have significance on you, whether you have it or whether you see it in your life or not. The way you live a life of significance is do everything with the right heart. 
even the small things, do everything with the right heart, significance will find you. I can assure you. The Lord is searching to and fro, searching for those whose hearts are truly his, that he may show himself strong, that God may do a significant work on the ones who are operating from the right heart. Keep on connecting. Don't give up meeting together. Come to church. People get discouraged. Oh, Jesus doesn't love me. I'm not coming to church. I'm not going to life group. I don't feel like it. Instead, keep encouraging others. If you're discouraged, encourage others. Say this with me. When I'm discouraged, I will find someone to, discour- to encourage. Even if it's my dog or my cat. Don't we look good today? Yes, we do. <laughs> Find someone to encourage, and your heart will be lifted. People go, I don't go to church because I had a bad experience. I don't do life groups because I had a bad experience. Would you stop going to restaurants because you had a bad meal? You do not. You don't, right? That's not an excuse. Keep on sowing, keep on giving, keep on encouraging yourself into the vision. Periods of great stress carry to glory. This is something I want to hit on, and I know I'm out of time. Periods of great stress cause you to inherit glory. And lots of things that cause great stress in your life or great pain in your life is that you are waiting. You are waiting for something to change. You are waiting for the outcome. You are waiting for something to break in your life. You're waiting. Causes great strain, doesn't it? Great pain. We oftentimes lean away from it. When God is causing great stress and great strain in your life, it's again to release greater levels of glory. Lord showed me like this. He said, Kevin, wine is crushed from grapes. Oil is crushed from olives. Bread, wheat is crushed from grain. Or grain is produced from crushing wheat. God produces great things through a crushing process. Great things. And some of it, wine and oil, gets better with age. So the oil gets crushed and now it ages out a little bit. And man, it's good. He's doing something in your life. He's crushing you. I've had excruciating pain in my life. If I looked at the last 10 years of my life, I mean, there's been some highs, but the lows have been more pain than I've ever felt at any point in my life. I could assure you. That's why my hair is gray. I'm not Gandalf. My hair just gets gray. It's been from the pain that I've experienced in my life. But you know what the difference is? I carry another level of glory. There's what I know what God has done in me through this process and I didn't see it coming, but I know who I am and I am far surpassing who I was 10 years ago. I I know what I carry. I know the revelation that I have. I know the power that moves through my life and it is nothing compared to what I was before. And there's actually a verse. It says, I am convinced that the sufferings of this present moment in no way shall be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. The sufferings and the pains of this present moment will be no way compared to what the glory that God is going to reveal in you through the process if you partner with him. That's the key. Keep on believing. Don't stop believing. Journey. There you go. (laughs) You must keep on believing. (laughs) You must keep on believing the things that you are taught. You know they're true. 2 Timothy 3.14. Last slide. And here's a good one. I'm going to give you some more permission. Trust Jesus even if you're freaking out. You're waiting, you're believing, waiting for something. You may be freaking out. The Bible never told you not to freak out. It tells you don't fear, but you can still be freaking out and still trusting the Lord. Anybody know what that's like? What that's like? I'm freaking out, but I still trust Jesus. 
You know, that's different. God, Bible says that Abraham, <laughs> some of you, that's really close to home. You're like, wow, I really feel that one. Bible says that Abraham never wavered according to the promise. It doesn't say he never wavered. Of course he wavered. He's human. But he never wavered according to the promise. See the difference? You can be freaking out, but still trust the Lord. You can be, everything can be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But you still can trust Jesus in it because he's going to work for you. Let's just end it with this. We'll quote this together. Even when I'm afraid, even when I don't know, and I feel like the world is falling down around me, even when, I seem, even when it seems like I'm going nowhere. <laughs> I just had a vision of a pinball machine. You know, you feel like you're going backwards. Actually, God's drawing you back to let you go. So anyway, I will trust the Lord in spite of my feelings, in spite of my words, in spite of everything around me, including the words of others, and including the words of my circumstances, I will trust the Lord. You believe that? Yeah? It's true. I'm giving you truth here this morning. Come on. We can clap. <laughs> so let me bless you. We'll just end it with a blessing. We'll end it with a blessing. Let me do this. Let's ask Jesus into our hearts. If there's anybody here who's never asked Jesus into their heart, we're going to pray together as a group, and we just want you to pray along with us and just enter into this prayer with us and just open your heart and just receive him into your life. Not in your mind, but in your heart. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you'll be saved. And so if that's you, just partner with us. We're all going to pray together. Let's just pray this out. Say, dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior and I need a Savior. I may not understand it, but I choose to believe it. And so I open my heart to you, Jesus. And I ask you to come inside. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me, and I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you, and all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me bless you one more time. We'll dismiss. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you, and may he be gracious to you and give you peace. And may you forever live in his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget, uh, pray about uh, touching Miami with love. <laughs>